It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Sharon B's theme announces another episode of Mutual Presents. I'm Jack Ward, and we're back with the fifth session of Saturday's MadCon Virtual 2021. This session is called, That Sounds Better, with our panelists Lothar Tuppen, Kareem Cromfley, and Ed Champion. And of course, I'm hosting. Please join us. Welcome back, everyone, to That Sounds Better. I'm Jack Ward from Electric Vicuna Productions, the Sonic Society, and the Mutual Audio Network. We have a Power Ranger punch of a panel this session with Kareem Cronfley, who is the steadfast golden actor of our modern audio drama age, professional performer for over 25 years, originally working as a juggler and fire breather, i got to figure awesome. out how to do that in an audio drama, who has studied <laughs> directing, directing different plays and acting for radio in London, England, not London, Ontario. You've experienced <laughs> his brilliance in such plays such as Unseen, What's the Frequency, The Magus Archives, SCP Archives, Liberty Tales from the Tower, a couple of Electric Vicuna productions I just sang, and many, <laughs> many more. And of course, next to him, we have Lothar Tuppen, who is an oral storyteller, writer, actor, director, and producer of audio dramas, also known as an audio auteur by some of his fans. He has dominated the audio world since the golden age back in 2010, working since then with Broken Sea Audio Productions, Electric Vicuna Productions, Us, the Amigo Collective, a collective us, the Ninth Tower Productions, which is his own, and many more, and is a founding member, of course, of the Mutual Audio Network, as well as a co-host of Sonic Echo, prose, verse author, editor-in-chief of Twisted Pulp magazine, published through Screaming Eye Press, ton of things. And finally, but not in the least, we have the showrunner, director, writer, producer, incredible actor, singer, and songwriter, Parsec award-winning Dynamo for his amazing series, The Gray Area, and now working a series of live radio dramas, he is the man that does not sleep, Edward Champion. Folks, thank you so much for being with me today on this topic. No problem. <laughs> I feel I feel humbled, my goodness. Sir. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about, Jack? <laughs> I am thrilled to have you guys here, and I really appreciate it. And we have, like, I guess Ed um, is is the baby of of the of the group in the respect that you're a little more newer to the audio drama community not that new by now you've had you've done your stuff but compared to some of these people who work with the older 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 tools you've had a chance to work with some of the newer tools and and it'll be interesting to see some of the variations that we've had to come in have you seen any changes we'll start with you ed have you seen any changes in tools to help you do the recording in just in the time that you've been here what has it been four years Five years, yeah. Five years? I, 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 it's weird because the tools kind of popped up when I started doing this. Like, 
Isotope RX, which I use every day. <laughs> I mean, you know, like that didn't even exist really 10 years ago. And that has been absolutely vital towards getting clean dialogue, towards flattening things, towards digitally erasing air conditioners that in other, other apartments, which I've actually had to do because it was like, oh my God, that's the most emotional take. And yet, you know, so like, it's amazing what these tools can do. But, you know, a lot of it is sort of looking at uh, what radio has done and what the present technology has done. And, and I am a complete reaper evangelist, which it's just, there's so much you can do with it. And now I've actually ventured into music and Reaper's good for that too. I mean, a, a lot of this sort of, there's a lot of trade-offs between like doing audio drama and music. Um, there's a lot of parallels rather. So, um, you know, the technology kind of just, I, I almost started doing audio drama at the ideal time because it's just like, hey, here you go. Here are all these tools, you know? That's right. And, and, and so maybe going backwards, Kareem, how long have you been doing the audio drama acting stuff? You've been a performer in, in other aspects, but doing this podcasting form of audio drama acting. How long have you been in the game? Um, probably 2013 was when I first broke into podcast audio drama. I've been doing voice acting for about two or three years before that, generally sort of off the casting sites. But yeah, podcast audio drama since about 2013. And, and have you seen a massive change in tools for recording yourself during that time? Uh, yeah, as, as Ed said, uh, Isotope RX is incredible. Um, I used to get do my best with Adobe Audition uh, version 3 back in the day to de-click and things like that. But, you know, the, the quality so and the fidelity of the tools that are in the, the, the RX suite are incredible. Um, that's a plug-in series for people who aren't sure, correct? Yeah. Well, it's it's a plugin and and a, and a standalone uh, editor that allows you to do all kinds of cleanup um, cool. of, of of your raw audio to you know, make it better and cleaner, etc. Clean up, obviously. Um, <laughs> but also, you have. I mean, when I when I was working at the radio station, we we had Audacity in its very very early basic forms as as far as a, a recording platform and you know, as a basic editor, and it was it was all right, it wasn't brilliant, it was okay, but it's developed immensely since then. Yes, it has. You've now also got Ocean Audio, which is a free, another free editor that I now use uh, for my recording because it's simple, it's free, and it uses, uh, it supports uh, punch and roll. So if you're doing long form, that saves you hours. Um, and then maybe, course, maybe when each of you have a break, you could throw up links for all of these things yeah. so that people know where they can find Isotope RX, where they can awesome. find Audacity and uh, Reaper and all that. RX, sorry to jump in, but RX is having a sale for the, the basic version of RX for $99 right now. So you may want to jump on that. And then you, I mean, what I did is I would jump in on a sale. I'm sure, I'm sure Kareem, you did this too. Like, There's hey, always a sale at some point. Yeah. yeah. Jump in on the sale. On sale now, wait. Yeah. And then upgrade <laughs> next time. Yeah, exactly. You know that deal. Yeah. The, cheap, okay. the cheapest you can typically get elements for, which is the basic uh, cleanup tool, is about $25. Okay. Um, standard. I think I picked it up, having bought Elements so you can do the upgrade, I picked it up for $99 when it's normally like £250 or something like that. So there are great sales, typically Black Friday, obviously, the annual uh, anniversary of, of uh, Isotope Company, stuff like that. So there's always a sale somewhere. And places like Sweetwater uh, and uh, other places and some of the sort of plug-in sales sites um, do their own sales as well. So anyway, classic stuff. <laughs> cool. 
and grandfathering in from <laughs> the golden age of, of modern radio drama. Can you tell us um, what it's been like and where you started and what kind of tools have changed in your time, Lothar? And I got to warn you right now, Edward, he's we're not going to have this fight now. That's for post-production. But uh, he's, he's a big he, fan of audacity. And, I do everything in audacity. And if someone says, you can't do anything with audacity, it's like, listen to my stuff. And tell me, I've actually had someone come up to me and say, you're lying. You did not do that with audacity. I'm like, now you've really insulted me. Oh, come on. Join no, us. I'm not lying. Don't Reaper club. Come on. I tried Reaper. I tried Reaper. It's just not the tool that fits in my hand. Okay. Yeah. It's, I think it's a great program. It's just not for me. And that's my biggest argument for this whole thing is sure, everybody sure. should use the tool that fits in their hand right. And there's yeah. lots of different tools. Absolutely. Um, I came at it from a video point of view and that actually informs my philosophy because audio engineers are, from my experience, notorious for having a very preferred set. That's what they want to use. That's the way it's going to be. That's how they do their magic. Better have that set up for them when they show up to the, to the studio. Right. Video editors have to know everything because you need to get that gig. And if you want to work at that facility, you got to work with whatever they've got. And when I was working, it was before Avid and before digital editing system. So you had to know how to use a CMX and that was a $100,000, $200,000 system. They're not gonna replace that for you. You gotta learn how to use it. So you had to be able to be versatile and use any tool and be able to give your best work on that. So I don't have uh, the same loyalty uh, to a lot of tools and others. And I just like Audacity because everybody else hates it and I'm championing it. <laughs> but I first started off doing recording with a Zoom mic and a fort with a blanket, or as some people call it, the duvet method, where you blanket out the sound by doing that. And after about five or 10 minutes, you start sweating like a pig. And I was uh, brought in to do a uh, audiobook biography of John Holmes, the porn star that crashed and burned. So it never got released, but that was my first thing. And then started working with uh, Julie Hoverson at 19 Nocturne Productions and Pendant and things like that and started working up, started getting a Yeti, a blue Yeti, and, and move from there, hanging blankets on the walls, and then slowly starting to build more of a real studio. And things have changed a lot. Audacity went from being a very bare bones, simple thing to actually having really good, it's noise removal system right now, the algorithm is really tight. Um, it's not as good as Isotope, where Isotope can do things like, oh, you got garbage audio in, and you can clean it, where Audacity, as long as you've got a decent studio, decent setup, no reverb, you can do really excellent cleaning with it. But I'm going to definitely Look into that isotope, but that sounds really cool. That sounds awesome. Cool. I I will refrain from my usual question of how long exactly was John Holmes's microphone that he was recording. <laughs> oh. um, I wasn't so, part of that part. I played part some of other the sort of like uh, producer or something for a brief chapter. Oh, let alone what soundtrack. We are you... talking about equipment here right, right now, right. so yeah. different kind let, of equipment. Let time. us yeah. get to let us get to microphone. Probably a Yeti Pro. That sounds like Probably. something that John Holmes would have used. <laughs> That's right. Let us talk about microphones. Let us talk about um, why would you use different kinds of microphones? Let us talk about the difference between dynamic and compression microphones. Let us talk Condensing, microphones. You mean. So who wants to start off? I know basically um, nothing technical can, except for what can, I've learned DIY. I, so. I, I can happily Thank you. I can, I can talk about the mics I use, whatever you want to do here. Okay, we'll start with Kareem and we'll move on to Ed. Okay. Okay, well, you, for most voiceover, the, uh, at least at this level, um, you've got two standard types of microphone. Uh, I can, we'll do interfaces later. 
Right. You have dynamic and you have condenser microphones. Dynamic microphones are typically the cheaper side, um, and they do not require what's called phantom power, um, and so they need a lot more gain to boost them up. Um, but they're they're usually very solid, very tough. They're the kind of things you'll see people who are singing on stage using a lot of time. The, the Shure SM58 is a classic, classic dynamic mic that if you buy one to start out your voiceover career, you will sell it on eBay with no difficulty whatsoever. Myself, I bought an AKG D5 when I needed a, a dynamic mic. It's not my, my first mic, so I just decided to get a dynamic at one point. Cheap as chips, excellent quality. Excellent, excellent quality. Um, it's one of those things whereby you get everybody sort of saying, well, what microphone should you buy? You need to do this. You know, how many thousands of dollars do you need to spend? No, you don't. You can get away with something as good as, uh, as, a, as an AKG D5. And if you spend your money on your room, which I'm sure we'll be discussing later, you'll produce a suitable quality for a product. <coughs> Once you get past the dynamics, though, their range of pickup is not quite the same. It doesn't give you the full subtleties of your voice and so on and so forth. And that's when you move towards a, a large diaphragm condenser microphone. I myself have an SE2200 A2C. Um, it's, uh, I worked in a radio station and some of the guys, I sort of asked them what I should get and they said, buy this one. It's a 200 pound microphone. It sounds like a 700 pound microphone and you will never need another mic. And everyone loves it. You know, I've, I've used this as my go-to daily driver every day and every producer has loved what comes out of it. And it works really well with my voice. And that's another thing. When you get down to the real subtleties of microphones, some microphones work better with other, with your, with different people's voices. And it's one of those things that, you know, if you get to that level of fidelity, you're, you're playing in a different league. But that's that kind of thing. JD Sutter is the floor. in. Yeah, no, JD Sutter <laughs> is in and asked the question what was that model number again, Kareem? Could you type it into. Sure. uh the chat box please again yeah. i it really helps because the numbers come fast and furious when people talk microphones and to talk about uh dynamic and 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 condenser and all that kind of stuff it's nice to have uh specifics for those people well, I, I go back makes me very happy because that happens to be the condenser mic that i bought about a year and a half ago and just on the basic research and i'm glad i made the right decision i've been very happy with it but thank you for that yes yeah. the, the se is a fabulous uh mic so again, for, for the basic people like this, and I want to move to Ed shortly for some of his thoughts on this, but for the basic people like me who says, well, what is the big difference between a dynamic and, and a condenser? Do I hear something different if I record in that? Now I have personally, but I'm asking for anyone who's not. Ed, can you answer that question? I mean, with condensers, obviously, like, you know, that is going to be a better vocal mic by and large, particularly like a cardioid uh, mic. Um, I could I could tell you the history of the microphones <laughs> of the gray area. And a lot of it was just really... I'd love um, to know that. Yeah, so um, I started off with a pair of AKG C214s. AKG, same that Kareem uses, good mic. And actually, I'm still very fond of that mic. But um, I used that for season one. And then season two, I really wanted to like upgrade my mics because like the performances of my actors were so emotional. And I started, you know, and, and when you put the audio drama together, and I, I was learning how to make audio drama out of that first season, uh, believe it or not. Although people seem to think, oh, you've been doing this for years or whatever. But no, I was just like, like trial and error. I became so, um, I, I learned a couple of things. 
Um, I like to mix uh, in a sort of bright kind of mix. And uh, I wanted to find microphones that could bring out bright qualities for my actors. And so um, the two, so I bought two mics. I bought a, a, the KSM32, the Shure KSM32, which is the same microphone used on, by uh, Sarah Kading on Serial and This American Life. It's the Ivor Glasses microphone. It's a cheaper version of the big, you know, the one that's really expensive. Um, and I got that, and I also got a Neumann TLM-102, which is just Ooh. below expense as the TLM-103. Um, and I know that uh, 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 Jonathan Mitchell of The Truth uses the 103s as well. So I was like, okay, I'm in the same wheelhouse here. <laughs> but uh, the 102s are very good for low, bassy voices and tend to bring out those qualities. And the KSM-32 tends to bring out um really bright happy trebly kind of stuff so i think very much in terms of uh what actor what mike what character because the character i may want him to sound a little bit or her to sound a little bit uh deeper uh certainly like for example miss gaskill oh i'm getting her on Neumann tlm 102 because she i mean chris is, just has an amazing voice and that microphone brings out that wonderful brassy kind voice that she has and so like so i very much think in terms of what is the best mic for the voice so i've got like yeah. the two mics one for each so like bright and i and i started recording with more actors at the same time with season two so that which has also created some very interesting dynamics but then i also have to think okay um, do i have to get more microphones the best mic for the voice and i also try to schedule okay we've got a we've got a neumann type and then we've got a sure type okay these two will play off of each other and i'll play i'll record those on two different tracks and then voila i'm in um if that kind of answers your question um I, I don't know so no well what there is an extra question that i'm thinking of because i have i've been using condenser mics for in studio stuff uh and then i was told and i never have the numbers or anything like that i'm, I'm terrible with brands um but i was told if you're going to do stage stuff, Jack, you should get away from the condensers and move towards a high-end dynamic mic instead. Now, why would somebody give me that as a suggestion? Probably because the um, pickup pattern of a dynamic is, is much more tight. And if you've got stage stuff and you've got speakers behind you and around, you don't want that being picked up and causing feedback loops. Ah, uh, okay, cool, cool. So dynamic, you know, condensers are... are much easier to pick up all sorts of ambient sound when you're on the yeah. stage and you're doing a lot of projection anyway, because yeah. you're on the stage projecting to an audience. You don't have to worry about getting the, 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 the same kind of nuances in the voice. You're trying to do that through the acting in that respect. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Have you thought about that, um, Ed, as to what kind of microphones you might do for live shows? Yeah, uh, well, that's that's I first of all, I've just got the venue for this live show. <laughs> One thing I, I, I don't want to rush you. You're pushing ahead, right? <laughs> I just got the grant three weeks ago. I've got 30 pages of the script that I'm trying to write. I have a very quick turnaround time, but I will be getting to that. I, I, I mean, the live show, I mean, it's sort of it's going to be somewhere between theater and audio drama in the sense that it's going to be staged but it's not going to be people just standing in front of a microphone. But now that you mentioned that, uh, thanks. Th thanks a lot, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I got I mean, a comment I mean, from here. Yeah. From 
uh, J.D. Sutter in our, in a, and because this is more open, we're jumping to comments back and forth. So first of all, she says, I've heard Kareem in several projects and his audio is always stellar. So love to that. And then on the audio, or the audio bouncing around inside an auditorium, which is also a problem when you've got condenser mics, I'm sure. So J.D. says that they use uh, SM58s for all the live shows. Yeah. I'm assuming I, I, those are great mics. They are. I've used, I've used them before. Uh, actually, I have used, I did use some SM58s when I did the yellow wallpaper. Right. Uh, I, I had four actors reading at the same time. And it was, again, uh, first of all, mics that you have and also like, yeah, sound bouncing around. Plus, you know, and then I had another problem altogether with that, but I cleaned it up with RX. But yeah, the SM58s were very good for getting a good, solid you know not bouncy kind of sound especially cool kareem do you have you done a lot of live shows that way and used more dynamic mics yeah. that you can give some recommendations of yeah well the, the sm58 is literally the classic mic that every uh broadcast engineer or, or, or recording engineer will have in his bag he'll have about five or six, six of them because <laughs> they are rock solid you can hammer nails in with them practically so yeah. they, they are I can't find a hammer, so that's good. That'll work <laughs> well, well yeah, that. They, they are they are that rock. So they they are they are effectively that standard kind of thing. So, um, for that reason, the other thing we, we need to potentially get onto at some point as well is of course the interface. Now we've been discussing classic XLR microphones, which where the um, transition uh, the the, the conversion electronics are not in the microphone, but they're in an interface which you have separately. If you're starting out in audio drama. Or starting out recording anything you might want to start out with a usb mic yep um because then it's cheaper because the interfaces will be another 90 to 150 pounds for a starter interface if you've got the money i'd buy an interface rather than a usb mic because i bought a usb mic to start it failed i got a replacement it failed as well basically because the electronics inside the microphone are not necessarily going to be the same quality as the stuff inside um, yeah, a, a dedicated interface but um, others have worked with them very very well the other thing you need to be very very aware of when you're when you're setting up your recording chain is the self noise the amount of noise that the chain is introducing to the recording okay. um, cheaper microphones such as the blue snowball which a lot of people start out with because it's a very cheap basic sort of mic very very uh, it, there you go <laughs> i just use it for these things i don't record no no it, it's like that's it's, good yeah it's it's got quite a lot of self noise and it's a very tinny sound right um but if you if you're starting out you just want to play it's a perfectly good mic to start playing with and maybe you're doing youtube um and that kind of thing um but then people might move on to the yeti as someone was saying earlier and so on and so forth you need to make sure that amount of noise entering your recording chain is as minimum as possible for example, the ultimate test, um, if you were trying to record audiobooks for ACX, uh, Audible, your noise floor, which is the, the noise that's there when you're not doing anything, needs to be minus 60 dB, which is very, very quiet. Um, trying to get to that, that, that level of no, no noise needs a whole, a whole bunch of work to do that, and uh, we will work on the, uh, the environment you're recording in as well to make that happen. But So if you want it cheap and cheerful, start with USB. Um, if you want to go a bit more serious, buy an interface classically the Focusrite 2i2 or solo is a, is a good starting uh, interface lots of people use it professionally if you want to move up a chain you go to things like the SSL2 <coughs> and a whole bunch of others which I could I could I could reel off 
Um, so I have an R24 Zoom that I in, uh, that I use to interface with my microphones, my studio mics. Uh, I find it it's it's pretty useful for something like that. But um, and and what I enjoy about it too is that I can it can record without being connected directly to the computer, so I can move it off into the studio. The the idea was at some point I can record it. You know, it has its own uh, way to you know hard drive basically to be. Uh, to be able to record information. So I could record a whole studio or a stage show, bring it back here, then put it onto the computer for that reason, which is kind of cool. What kind of interface, I'm not, I don't want to neglect Lothar here, no, no, sure, just sure. because I know Lothar, you haven't done a lot of live shows. Is that fair? Well, I'm, no, but it's interesting because it was just about a year and a half ago that I went from the USB world to the XLR audio interface because I upgraded my Mac. All of a sudden, none of the Yeti products worked with it right. And it had it kept dropping microseconds every minute or so. So about 20 minutes in, it'd be less. And so it wouldn't line up right. And that was some of the problems we had with Sonic Echo when my lines were getting weird. So I had to change that up. So one of the things that I'd like to put out there is that there's a lot of actors listening and going, how do I get started? And they're hearing all this technical talk. And it's like, you don't need to start there. Build yourself up. It's not like you need to be an audio engineer gearhead right from day one get a good blue microphone, do some satellite recording, then start learning and, and build upon it because Kareem's actually absolutely right about the, the line noise and everything. I liked my Yeti Pro, but my setup now is much better. Um, and I, I again had to sort of pick an audio interface that worked with my Mac OS and the system. And so I got a uh, Apogee Element 24, which is cheap and cheerful and works fine for me right now. Um, some point I'll probably go up another stage and maybe get a mixing board because I used to do that in video, but I haven't done that in a while. And it terrifies me a little bit to try and do that. It's hard to balance out the acting. I just want to do my art and the gearhead stuff. But if you can learn to love it, you can get a lot better stuff, just like what Ed was saying about using different microphones. I'm now thinking, oh, my God, I got to buy different mics now. That's going to be great. <laughs> Bill Chessman from our, our uh Chat says R24, which I have, uh, works really well for live recording too. And you can sync two of them, which is kind of interesting. So I, I would have to figure out how to do that at some point, um, as I would like to do a live recording someday when I have all this time on my hands, as you know what it's like. <laughs> so it's got some really great recorders. I, I use uh, the FA and, and that thing is durable in almost anything. I, I and the sound is so clean. I, I mean, it's amazing. Wow, wow! USB connection, sixteen tracks synchronized. Says Bill. Can you tell me a little bit about your interface, Ed? Oh, I mean, it's it's basically I'm using an F8. I record onto an F8N, uh, which basically it has eight XLRs, uh, and it records. You know, if I do eight mics at a time, uh, it would record on eight of those tracks. I I've used those for. Um, for multiple actors, uh, like the most I've done so far has been, uh, well, technically five actors at one time on a yellow wallpaper uh, where I where we recorded that thing. You, you gave me that that excuse to finally do more than two actors. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> so <laughs> no, uh, I've always recorded on um, you know uh, ex external units, and you just like copy the stuff on the compact flash onto your computer, and you're ready to go. You drop it right in the Reaper, everything's on a different track, and it's just really, that's how I've always done it. Um, a lot of that has to do with uh, having, uh, I've always recorded that way. I've always had like Tascam recording units where I've recorded onto, you know, compact flash stuff and 
just popped it into the editor. I mean, I, I, I've never, in fact, really used a USB interface, to tell you the truth. I've always been like XLR, XLR. And I, <coughs> so, you know, uh, that's, that's what I use. I just want to point out that Ed was making the wall, yellow wallpaper for Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, which is yep. happening during our summer. In fact, we're having our fourth episode show up tomorrow. Not a commercial, just a reminder. <laughs> so, and, and we, we quite enjoyed it and we love doing that. So Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, by the, for those people who don't know, it's we, every summer, the Sonic Society puts aside all the new stuff that people come in and ask people to recreate old time radio shows with their uh, current actors. And so it's very cool to see what people come up with. This, this guy right here, Jack. This is the oh, F8. Very yeah. cool. So the next thing I want to talk about, we've got a microphone, we've got our interface, we've talked about a variety of different microphones. What can an actor do to record the cleanest possible uh, uh, recording of something to send to somebody? What, and I'm, I'm not talking about space at this point. I want to talk about just setting up the mics and the settings and all those kinds of things. What, what are we looking at? Lothar, let's go back to you. I one of the first things, and this worked when I was doing a lot of the um, fielding auditions uh, for the first production company I worked for, which is that my understanding, and it was even hard for me the first time I heard it, was most people don't even understand what audio without reverb sounds like. They need to be able to identify that because think about it, right now in my room, I'm hearing reverb right now every time I'm talking outside. Most of the time we're talking in, in room, we're naturally hearing reverb a audio track without reverb actually sounds almost a little muffled to the average person. They don't understand what's actually being cut out. And so I've had a lot of times with going to, back to actors going, you've got too much reverb, too much echo. Can you do something to minimize that? And they'll come back with, what do you mean? I don't, I don't hear what you're hearing. So I think the first thing they need to do is to be able to hear what the problem is before they can fix it. And so sometimes I would send somebody two tracks to go, here's an example. Listen to me saying, hi, how are you doing today? And I'd have it one with without reverb and one with reverb so they can go, oh, I get it. And then they can start sending back. And once they get that, then they can start working on it. Um, and I'll, I'll pass it around. We can keep talking about it. But yeah, there's other there's other tricks from hanging blankets and other stuff too. But first, I've also discovered my, sir, you're right. I didn't mean to interrupt. I also discovered too that as I'm editing, I start to lose my hearing of reverb because I'm so used to certain things. You gotta be <laughs> careful. You gotta walk away for a while and come back so you don't get too used to things as well. Uh, you want to speak to that at all, Kareem? The idea of, of, of listening for reverb and having a good ear for that? Um, crystal, oh, sorry, put my teeth in. Critical listening skills are part of the, 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 the tool set you have to develop as, a, as an audio professional. There is actually a good book called Critical Listening Skills for Audio Professionals. Um, that's a, a read if you want to get it that deep into it. Um, go into different rooms speak and do things like clap and stuff like that and you can and, and listen carefully to um the kind of uh the, the bounce back you know i mean the classic is you, you're yelling across a valley and, and you hear the echo coming back that's a big reverb uh, but then if you're in the bathroom and it's all tiles and glass you get a lot of reverb there you go into somewhere with a lot of soft furnishings that's a little uh, more different the soft furnishings will absorb the sound and that's that's the, the key elements when you're trying to develop your recording space is, you, is, your, is you're trying to reduce two elements of sound. One, uh, incursion from ex of external sound 
you know, to, to the microphone so you don't hear cars and trucks outside, for example, or whatever, and you want to cut down that reverb, you want to make sure that only your voice or what it, your, your, the recording source is going into the microphone with nothing else, no bounce back of other things. <clears throat> cool. Basic thing, also like don't have your microphone too close to your computer. Yeah. You'll pick up the fan. Keep and yes. you'll get too much line electric line noise in there. Little things like that. Yeah. Yes. Ed, did you have something to to add to that? Oh yeah. I mean, my now my recording is a little bit different because um, I'm trying to record. Uh, I mean, this is a very naturalistic show, despite the fact that there are crazy winged creatures <laughs> and interdimensional portals. But I do operate from a place of naturalism. Um, a lot of this is very much inspired by what Jonathan Mitchell does on The Truth. In fact, like when I saw, and I, I've emailed him from time to time asking him questions, when I saw that he was basically recording with microphones in a room, and I was like, I was like, oh, what, what a relief, because that's exactly what I'm doing. And, and here in New York, um, it's obviously tricky to find space because, of course, everything's like really expensive. Um, so what I have done is I tried to use either the same room which i is really the main room to record all the actors so whatever revert problems or whatever sound issue problems um you you can deal with that because you get used to the acoustics of the room and you can baffle things or whatever um the other thing about that that's also very nice and this comes from my film school background is room tone matching room tone like one of the things that a lot of audio dramas um, some really high and audio dramas that drives me nuts is it's so clear that two actors have, are not in the same room together there's been no effort to like match the tone there's been no e i mean and rx will do that to you you can take the eq profile and match it over to something else like i had an episode recently with uh pete lutz appears as the demons it was actually the last one we aired and I, I, I painstakingly went through that to make sure the EQ profile matched as much as possible because what I recorded here in Brooklyn and what he recorded in Texas were two different animals. And I had to make it match. And I did a lot of, of like disguising with sound design so, so that, you know, you're not necessarily going to pick up the difference. I, and even now, when I listen to it, to my ears, it just goes, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you, yeah, two different environments there, Ed. <laughs> Nice going. So that's that's something I mean, that is an attention to detail that like I would I wish more audio dramas would would operate at that high level. And a lot of them do not. And, and yeah. a lot of, they, don't, they don't make the effort to disguise it. They don't even make the effort to 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 use the magical tools at your disposal. I mean, anyway, I, I can go on, but I won't. <laughs> no, and I appreciate it. And I'm going to ask Lothar because I think room tone was one of the few ways we had to mask things back in the day. It was oh, to get a really loud room tone to try to overlap that. And I think we need to define what room tone is. But before we get there, because some people won't know, Sharon Grinwald writes, I went from a Blue Yeti at USB to a Rode NT1A XLR. It was supposed to be an upgrade but I'm not happy with the tone and hypersensitivity. I'm a natural alto voice range. Is there a better mic or a tweak I can use that would be better? Kareem, do you have any suggestions about that? Specific mics, I don't know, um, because as I said, it's, it's, I mean, I, I haven't got experience of a lot of mics, but it, as I was saying earlier, some mics suit certain voices. And, and as Sharon's saying, a high alto may not suit the NT1. The hypersensitivity, you're going to get that with any large diaphragm condenser. So you have to work on 
sorting your room out. Uh, right. Because if, it, if it's hypersensitive and you're picking up noises you shouldn't be picking up, then you need to spend money on the room, not the mic, um, as much as anything else. Uh, so that some stores will help with, if you can go into stores these days, depending on the pandemic and everything. Um, you can try out different mics and see which ones uh, suits your voice best, sort of thing. Well, um, Sharon, I want to tell you something too, and I don't mean to interrupt, Kareem, but sure. uh, come, if come to MadCon next summer, it's my intention that we will have like a technical sort of lab set aside with uh, a local shop that will bring in a bunch of different microphones and people will have the opportunity to record all themselves on a variety of microphones, listen to themselves on a variety of microphones and maybe have some talk with the technicians that are there about what would best work with your voice. Yeah, so exactly. th how, how great would that be to be able that to have that kind of technical opportunity? Um, either either Ed or Lothar, if do you have any recommendations for for Sharon? Nope. Ed. Go, go for back sure. Yeah. Until you find out what you like. I don't know. Yeah. Other than sure, sure. like. Sure. Sure. What? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sure. No, sharing what specifically? I'm sorry. I, I it was kind of a vague question there. Well, she she wants a, a recommendation for maybe a better microphone for her alto voice kind of thing. Do you know of Sunny? You know. Know? I, I think she, I mean, um, I, I got to tell you, the KSM32, even though I, I use it for bright stuff, it does do very good, like, alto base uh, type, of, type of stuff as well. And I think that it's a good, solid mic. It's a $600 mic, uh, but, you know, it does make everybody sound pretty damn good. I mean, like, look, you can't argue with Ira Glass and Sarah King, right? Right. Cool. Well, I, I know that JD has been doing overtime in the text here to help us out. I just want to back up. She suggests an NT1A is a decent condenser. So I guess that Kareem is spot on with the recording environment report uh, point there. I'm not sure if she's talking to about that. She also brings back that I've all I've always used the Behringer X X E N Y L X. I don't know how you pronounce that. Xeno Xenex. X2222 for live shows and run the Foley mics. Oh, you said the word Foley. SFX <laughs> and music and the old tracks. It's one of my pet peeves. I never like to use word Foley for audio drama. I keep that as, as strictly for film. Uh, oh. XLR inputs are in there. For in-studio, I have an Audient EVO4. And she also provides a great little link for the critical listening skills for audio professionals book CD. So if you're interested, that's great for everyone. Anyway, let's go back to Lothar. If he can please define for people, what is room tone? Well, again, I'm coming at this from a video point of view. So one of my early jobs was as a tape op and this probably ties in a little bit with Ed was saying with from the film school point of view, in order to prepare for a session, we'd have to take whatever tapes were gonna be used in that session and lay down black, that was not complete absence of color. So it wasn't a blank tape. It actually had a very, very dark black, but it was recognizable and room tone, a very light sound because the theory behind it was that um, you'd never wanna cut completely to absolute black and you never wanna go to complete silence because the audience recognizes that something is wrong. Not consciously, but you always want a little bit of sound because if it, if it really drops off completely sound, you actually think, oh, did the recording stop? Is it still running? You want that little tiny bit in there. So that was the original theory behind that foundation. When it came to the early days of modern audio drama, 
we would try and do things like, okay, we do have different setups and, and we don't have a whole lot of EQ capabilities to fix it. What can we do? You maybe put room tone underneath there. Maybe you'd say, I want to take it all out because even putting in the room tone and trying to match it up, it just sounds too bad. And we're going to put something else in there. We might even do something like, um, that's one of the, <laughs> Bill Holwig and I used to talk about this where one of the, we liked doing rich soundscapes, but one of the reasons we did was because it, was, it could also mask a lot of the errors. <laughs> oh yeah. Even up to just a few oh, years ago. Welcome to my sound design techniques. Yes. <laughs> so there was actually, even just a couple of years ago, much more better world than we were in back then. There was a legacy actor who was going to be providing lines. This individual had a really bad setup and was apologizing for it, but that's all they had. The producers wanted this person to be there because it was an important legacy show. This actor had to be present. I'm mixing the scene and I'm going, oh, God, I can't do a damn thing with this. I suddenly realized, oh, it's kind of an office scene. There's a debriefing going on. I've got a fax machine. I've got a dot matrix printer. I've got things and I'm moving it around like a Greek chorus because it's like, that's when I need to block out that bit of garbage. Okay. And you, you play around with stuff like that. So that's kind of where I'm coming at it. I got to figure this stuff out because I'm doing DIY punk rock stuff here and I just got to make it work. And I'm just learning how to be a gearhead. But I'm curious for uh, Kareem and Ed, Sometimes I've tried to use room tone where I'm actually grabbing room tone and putting it in underneath and it doesn't seem to work. I'd rather use some sort of ambient sound like a clicking, a ticking clock or something like that in the background, a little bit of wind or other ambient noise to play the role of room tone. Am I missing something? How would you guys use room tone that maybe I'm not understanding for audio drama? Okay, so, so I can answer this by saying this. Room tone is just the beginning, all right? Room tone is really just like a good foundation, so uh, you can you can hear dialogue as it's probably going to be. But then, once you once you've done a rough assembly of the scene, then that's where the real fun begins, and then you start building tone and building tone and building tone on top of that. At least I do. I I've gone out in New York. I've got like you know I don't know how many you know I think I even have close to two gigs of sounds I've recorded in nice. New York. Uh, I, I am I am I am that guy with the microphone. I mean, luckily I got all of this before the pandemic, and I had New York stories. I was just like, oh. Um, so I guess by calling that room tone, room tone is the beginning. Like, to, I had a similar situation to you, Lothar, because I had one actor. Uh, it's it's a scene where it was a street scene, but, but when we recorded him, this was early on in season two. Phenomenal performance but a lot of reverb in the back. And with reverb, it's so hard to remove. So instead instead of pulling out what hair I have, which is nothing, uh, I decided instead to basically um, use that as an advantage. And I positioned him with the reverb. And I said, oh, I, I, and I basically created this really cool streetscape. And I like had cars driving by playing loud hip hop. And it was like, and then, that, then the scene became super gritty uh, this is the past not taking part one. Then the scene became super gritty and you felt New York and you felt his performance and you didn't even notice the reverb. And I just like, the other thing I do is, I, I don't know about you guys, but I like to, I like to actually position the microphone like, like this, okay? Like in the editing. I, I view the microphone as a camera, okay? So like one 
one actor is probably going to be closer to the camera or closer to the mic, and I can mix it accordingly. And sometimes how I recorded it, or if I screwed up the recording somehow, which I sometimes do, in fact, I do it a lot, um, that sometimes determines the so-called camera position of the microphone. And I also believe that, like, if you're telling a, an audio drama story, there are, you know, just like staging, just like theater, there are characters who come to the forefront and there are characters who go to the back. And that's something that, you know, sometimes is dictated by, I can't, I'm not sure if we can swear here, um, screw-ups uh, that you actually record during production. So, yeah. I mean, creativity no, born of necessity. Yeah. yeah we're, we're dealing with two, effectively, there are, there are two different styles of recording here. Yeah. Um, you have multi multi uh, mic recording, or you know, uh, effectively theatrical recording in a room, for example, um, as as Edward is trying to describe here to a certain extent. And then you've got people like me who sit in their own booth all around the world, like for Fool and Scholar, their entire cast are spread across the the globe, recording their single track, which the sound designer uh, will then stitch together all those voices to make them sound like they're in the same room. And right. all that kind of stuff as well. And those are you then dealing with two entirely different recording and mixing techniques. So, um, exactly. And I think it's important to understand. I, again, I'll let you finish that off, but understand what are, what is your recording um, environment? Where are you recording makes as much of a difference when you're saving that recording than anything else. Please finish, Kareem. Okay. I mean, so, for example, you've got someone like Fred Greenhouse, one of the most successful audio drama producers in the world at the moment. Fred is a, a dedicated um, field recording specialist. He will get actors into a physical space and record them there. Mm -hmm. And you get a very natural performance and so on and so forth, which is, which is fantastic. But for those of us who are limited spatially and whatever, we, you know, uh, other, other companies that do the virtual uh, spacing there are other techniques and with a, a, a talented sound designer it's just as good when I'm solo recording typically I'll leave uh, five ten seconds of pure room tone at the beginning or the end of the recording because when somebody's trying to edit my voice together because I will have multiple takes multiple redos of a line if I'm feeding it right and when those each sentence or whatever is being spliced together by the sound designer or by the, the, the line editor they may need the room tone to sort of fit in and fill in those gaps as well so it's, it's a useful tool for taking the raw element of the words and the, the performance and then stitching it into a coherent um, whole because the timing, which an actor will typically do on stage exactly, but may be slightly different when they're recording in a booth, um, the line editor will, 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 will fit those timings, and especially if we're, we're splicing them together with other, other performance lines, so that the dramatic intent of the scene is, is delivered with its full potential. And that's a good best practices guide to have. Always have a bit of a header or a lead so that people can have room tone. That's a good idea. Lothar, yes. Well, it also has the added benefit of if they do need to do any noise removal, you've given them a good sample to get enough to do noise removal. Yeah. Always leave five seconds because people who just start with like half a second, it's always frustrating because then I'm spending like three minutes trying to find a spot in there that I can grab to do noise removal where it's like, just do that five seconds of lead time and you're accommodating room tone, noise removal, a number of things. Yeah, and, and we don't want to get into post-production too much, but these are important interfaces to help you save time for whoever's doing post-production. 
want to make a quick apology as as JD has has reminded or or suggested. I I misgendered JD, but the truth of the matter is, is I know you're a guy, JD. We talk a lot and stuff like that, but I I have my my cat jumped up on on the on the counter. My poor Penny, the girl. And with between that and Sharon Grinwald, I just got confused and it's the end of the day so i apologize man sorry i absolutely adore our conversations we have some good stuff and, and i really appreciate you being here for that reason too so yeah it was a slip of the the mind more than anything else um so but i i think these are really key things that people need to know is what garbage is in, garbage out right pardon sorry garbage in garbage out right the best yeah. one of the things that's for me it's like we want good actors that can provide good lines and deliver good stuff but if they can give us good technical stuff too to where i'm not spending a bunch of time doing cleanup that i don't want to do because it's no yeah. fun that's an actor i want to work with i and want to you know someone have who's able to give me good fa- stuff to begin with yeah you can have fantastic actors with terrible sound that you just can't yep. use because yep. the sound has made it too difficult for you to yep. move forward so make sure you check what microphone you're using would be effective it's a good thing to talk to the person that you're going to be working with and maybe they have some suggestions about like like uh, ed was saying placement of the mic when you're recording like how far away you should be about that take a look at that and we can have some suggestions about how far the mic you should be uh, and keep the mic away from your your computer as much as you can right and and as 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 so that you don't have that fan issue that's coming in uh identify um other noises that are going on in the room and we can talk about the environmental space in a minute i don't know if you can see no no you won't be able to see mine but one of the things right. that I've done in my camp, in my microphone is I actually found like an old rub, a rubber t- tub that you can get from, from uh, Walmart. And I filled the whole thing with foam and I cut a hole through it and I put the microphone in the tub. So the idea is to try to sort of isolate this, uh, any noise outside of the, the microphone. So I only have one side open and I can call in through that. So that helps to limit stuff. And I, I stand, of course, while I'm recording for those kinds of sessions. What are some other ways to dampen down the sound specifically that people can do? Give me from the cheapest way to a, 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 a medium way to an expensive, effective way. Who wants to run with this first? I can start with a really super cheap. Yep. Okay, good. Kareem, you were going to suggest something. I can take you through my journey from beginning to the booth. Okay. Like at some point, I've got the screen shares for that. Because you've got the screen shares for that. And then we'll go to the super cheap Lothar, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to start then, yeah? Uh Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, I'll bring pictures up then. Um, So. Now, let's. See if I can get the screen share going. Now my wife um, likes to make sure the house is still livable uh, when we're here. So you may look, this is quite an innocuous looking space here. There's this bit of eight by four, my audio interface here um, and my desk. Move on. See if I can get this right. Quick video. And then I'll go in the next one. Turn it around. Ready to record. And we get a recording space ready to go. Uh, 
foam panels on the back which will cut the reverb from behind my microphone uh, a mic shield in the front and a little towel to cover the, the, the radiator in the back and that I recorded eight years uh, of audio on that the other side um, the rest of the room has a bed so it's nice and absorbent of sound and there's bookshelves so there's lots of um, crinkly edges so there was there's, there's there's no sharp places for for the reverb to bounce off of it's all scattered so the the, the room tone the, the room reverb is was was pretty clean so people like that etc and as you know, my wife was happy I could tidy it all away and she wouldn't you know people could still use it as a spare room that was a great starting point I then decided to extend my house and I built a studio let's move in now I didn't have all the stuff to start with but I built up some new panels these are on uh, a zero artboard and you fit six panels on each so that they're, they're nice and clean and it's, they're easy to stick on to the walls with um, uh, command strips uh, so it's all nice and clean so it doesn't matter if you're renting your house or whatever you can stick these to the walls don't, they don't make a mess or anything I then put them where in did place. you pick those up um, art border any any art shop or okay. I, I got them I got them off Amazon the the foam uh, tiles I, I got good quality foam tiles because I, I, I felt I needed them um, I then put them in place like this similar kind of deal once again cutting the reverb bounce back I had some spare of the old tiles up uh, on the top as well and that worked for a year a year and a half or so um, I, I have done a, a recording with an LA producer in the, in this space and they, they like the audio etc um, the room this lots in um, as we built the house I made sure we had acoustic window, um, acoustic underlay of the carpet, and acoustic insulation in the walls as well. It didn't cut down as much noise as I'd hoped, but it certainly made it quieter than it would have been. So, I mean, this is me spending a lot of money because this is what I do these days. Um, but this will help you get your room reverb better for not a huge amount of money. Yeah. Once again, I'm reusing I'm reusing the bits as I as I, as I come along, and then. I'm lucky I'm in the UK because the UK has a company called Session Booth. Oh, yes. And I now have this baby. Which you can see me in now. Nice. Uh, nice. This is a one by 1.2 meter booth. Proper insulated sound with a with a, uh, a ventilation system, etc. Cost me the princely sum of three thousand two hundred fifty pounds, fully installed. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> so it's half the price of most of the other booths out there, and um, they also um, oh, what's, uh, blah, 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 <laughs> anyway, the great company, uh, long, long, long lead time, seven weeks it took, it took from order because at the moment, lots of people are getting audio gear at the moment. I can't imagine how many actors having to turn to audio over the last 18 months. Harry, <laughs> <laughs> you said that was fully installed or did you build that yourself? How long did no, no, it take to build it? Was, it was fully installed. They, they came, installed it all. Which oh, they, they, oh, okay. Oh, uh, wow. Most of these guys are like, you have to do it yourself, buddy. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, they, they did it. I mean, I've, I've got the step-by-step -step photos as well, but I won't bore you with that lot. Um, yeah, so that, that 
that was done and, and I, I now have a, a fully working booth which is lovely um, uh, but yeah for not a lot of money one of the important things to remember if you are buying a booth though because I've got this on an upstairs floor um, the session booth is a lighter um, this one is only 200 kilos or similar um, whereas some of the heavier booths can be you have to think about the structural integrity of your floor whether it actually take the amount of weight you're on, on etc but right. that's me going from starting point of just a piece of wood and some tiles adding my bits and pieces as I went along and eventually I now have a proper pro setup nice it looks great and if you have any out. links for that final booth uh, for people oh, yeah. to find that please put that in the chat section there's a great question from Steve but I want to go through this first did you double your studio says Sam Mowry decouple he then he corrected it down below Oh, okay, decouple. sorry, decouple. Sorry, my mistake. I didn't see that. Part that decouple question. your studio. I didn't know. Um, it, once again, I, I wasn't going to spend that much money right. <laughs> on top of extending the house. Um, I was hoping I'd get enough because uh, of what I did. And in the end, it wasn't quite enough. I was, I was a bit disappointed. But then I, I sold some magic cards and um, I was able to afford this. And Good then, old magic this, cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> effectively, this does the decoupling for me because I, I, I now have the extra layer, uh, the room within the room, which is the uh, sort of ideal, really. Perfect, perfect. Now, Lothar, take us take us to the uh, hanger and closet version that you were going to talk about. <laughs> it's nice now because for my 50th birthday three years ago, my wife said, how about for your 50th birthday, we actually turn your office into a studio. So I got to do a little bit of what Kareem was doing. But way before that, uh, some of the first things and, and something that people should do is a little bit of research on acoustics in general. Uh, there's a great acoustics for dummies. If you like learning more about that, there's this, let's see if I can, it's the Master Handbook of Acoustics, fourth edition. I like that one. Somebody um, can look that up. That will give you a lot of the science behind what's going on. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. And um, the, one of the big things is like, if you're starting out, you don't have a lot of good equipment. One of the main things is you're going to get a lot of reverb off of a 90 degree or 180 degree bounce back. If you're going against a wall, you're going to get a lot of reverb. So one of the first things that's a good trick is like do it into a corner, um, you know, and, and hang up things there because your cheap stuff will work great if you don't have really good sound baffling. Or as um, I did with your back to the corner and have the biggest yes. in front of you. There you go. Anything that will break down those direct bounce backs. Yeah. Um, I started off with basically hanging a bunch of blankets around my office, making a little pillow fort box around the microphone and being able to speak into that with blankets around and it pretty much deadened the whole thing. Be aware that your ceiling and your floor will also reverb and hang something that way. I had a little alcove, so I didn't have to hang everything over the full ceiling, but I could put it in there make a little sort of like tent like thing and it you know, stopped enough from going on put a little carpet or something under the floor if you've got that sort of problem. Uh, that worked for a number of years, except that it was always like, okay, I got to turn my office into what looks like a kid's fort every time I want to record. Eventually you want to move on. So I finally, I found somebody who, um, it's a friend of mine who's a, who's a musician and an audio producer, and he was setting up his home studio. And I went over there one time and I saw these extra, those $300 pyramid sound panels that are like the, the two by two panels that each or it costs like a mortgage payment to get like three of them. He had about eight and he's like, oh, those are just extra, you want them? I'm like, yes, yes I do. So I brought those home and then um, bought some uh, sound panels that are those big, they almost look like big canvas blocks, but they're made out of wood and the right sort of foam. And you place them based on certain algorithms, but not really complex algorithms. And that deadens your sound to a good amount. 
not to the level that Kareem has got with his uh, booth, but again, it was probably about $500 to $800 total. Um, plus the fact I got all those free panels. Otherwise it would have been a lot more. Awesome. I mean, that's, that, that's the thing. I mean, my, my, my first setup, that was trial and error. Yep. You know, yeah, I, I, you, you watch a few YouTube videos about how acoustics work and basically you think of it, it's all, it's all reflections. And yep. um, you learn to listen for that reverb on, on, on your recording. And then I sort of thought, okay, I don't want any straight bounce back straight to my microphone. So I sort of designed where everything went and I listened. And that's the cheap way that you can always trade time for money if you learn. So right. I, I studied I, I, and I looked it up and like, you know, I didn't read the book necessarily, but I, I, I watched a lot of YouTube videos as well. And as you said, cheap uh, with, without too much money and setting things in the right direction with duvets or blankets or, or cheap tiles, you can get an acceptable level. But it's, and it's our odd. hero JD has gone ahead and found the actual uh, book that uh, Lothar has up. That oh, you, I just put it into. you can just download as a PDF. So there you go. Oh, very cool. Right on. So, and then there if you is... like it, maybe buy it from the author because, of course, we all yeah. like supporting our creatives now, don't we? Absolutely, absolutely. That's great. Ed, tell us about your setup to keep things as quiet as possible. Well, so New York is a very <laughs> odd city. So a lot of my efforts are really in the post-production end. Um, I have to do all, I've had, I mean, I've had to do all sorts of diplomacy with my neighbors because as much as I have baffled the sound, if they blast music, it pipes through the floor. It's no matter how insulated the sound is. So I guess I just learned to work around that. And I, you know, what I was describing earlier in terms of like, you know, you have the room tone, you're familiar with the room. Um, I do a lot of, I do a lot of post. We, I mix it in post. Um, and, um, I mean, to, to, to be honest, like I've had, I've, I've had such, this is how I've learned how to engineer. It's because I've had so many calamities for the yellow wallpaper at the space that we were at, we were told that no one was going to be there. And then when we showed up, there was a punk band, no. an evil punk band that was playing at the loudest level. It took me forever to, uh, to, to get that so you would never know. But, like, the tools are good enough for you. Like, there's, I mean, look, honestly, like, what Kareem, Kareem's, Kareem's setup is, is, is incredible. I, I, and I, and uh, I hope to get to something like that at some future point. On the other hand, the kind of audio drama I make is I want to be there with the actor. We have a very, uh, I mean, emotional intimacy is the driving force of the gray area. It's why you get those emotional performances. And my, I would rather err on the side of, uh, of, of the human over the technical and, and worry about the technical stuff in the, because the post-production tools we now have, RX, all that stuff, they're really good. Obviously, you want to have the, the, the best flat, you know, uh, low noise floor sound you can. But like, you know, I would rather have a great emotional performance in which I am there. I'm next. I, I'm performing all of the other lines when I talk with the actor. I've done all of the gray area with, the, with a couple of exceptions um, in person. And it does make a difference. So like, you know, um, I've, I've actually fantasized about like a, a setup similar to Kareem's, although I would need a much bigger space to accommodate me and the other actor. Or if I wanted to do like a group of three or four actors, yeah. now we're talking $10,000, which I don't have. <laughs> you know, so, 
So that's, that's, that's the different thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a solo voice actor ninety five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is fine for me. Other times I go to studios or whatever. So it's and yeah. you, you make a, a really interesting point that we haven't really brought up, and I just want to skip over it and go to a question that Steve does. But I'll just want to mention this specifically. <laughs> When you're talking about the artificiality of the performance for one way or another, don't be too aware that you are in front of that microphone when you're trying to do that performance. You can go back and redo it again and stuff like that because sometimes people are like, I can't be, I got to hold back on my emotion because I'm afraid of peaking or or all that kind of stuff. So you're better off trying it over again and doing stuff because if you're too aware of the microphone and too aware at the time of the performance, it, it can cause problems. Is that a fair assessment? I, I, can, I, I want to answer also, there's a question that come up, came up about like, you know, just curious if each of you like to monitor your head, have recordings in headphones. Uh, when I work with the actors, they all have headphones. They are all aware of that. Uh, we have sirens. <laughs> we have a noisy city. So like, you know, the actors also kind of need to get a sense of how they're coming across. And I've worked with these people now for four years. So we have a good balance in terms of like, They'll be able to hit the emotional level. At the same time, they'll also be a little bit mindful of the technical stuff. But that's why I'm there because I'm the guy monitoring that. And if they need to do another take, I mean, I'm I'm listening like a hawk, uh, both emotion and performing with them emotionally and also technically. If, if that answers that question, something. Yeah, I mean, I, it's ideal when you especially have more than one person recording that you have somebody yeah. monitoring the sound as the recording is going in for that particular reason that you're there for that bit. Does anyone else want to comment on that before I get the question from Steve out? Question from Steve. Oh, sorry, Steve, Steve. Steven Schneider says, under the general category of that sounds better, I was wondering if Kareem had any particular tips or trip tricks. I can't speak tonight. <laughs> he uses his voice acting, uses when voice acting to limit mouth noises, smacking, uh, oh, popping sounds, breath control, etc. Admittedly, this is one of the issues I struggle with when voice acting. So okay. sibilance, all that kind of stuff comes in, in the way. Right. The, the big one with everyone is mouth noise. Mouth noise comes when you're not hydrated enough. You need to keep hydrated throughout the day. Uh, a, a minimum start an hour before you start your plan to record. Have a good uh, you know, 500 mil uh, pint of uh, water or very weak squash to get yourself hydrated enough so that you haven't got the sort of sticky stuff in your mouth that my mouth currently has. Green apples and the citric acid that comes with them, they will cut through all that. So that will almost entirely remove all that as well. Um, so those are the, those, those are the key ones. Um, hydration, and also if, you, if you're recording for a long time, you have to keep hydrating because you're chucking water out of your mouth all the time. So hydration is key. And if you need to get rid of it completely, then yeah, green apples as well. I, I when I uh, produce and direct, I will bring a bag of green apples over and can have one. I didn't know that about green apples. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah that, that a Granny Smith typically. The, the yeah. sharper the better. Okay, that's great. I, I, I also, Sorry, I was just gonna say, cut back on the stogies too. Don't don't have more than four <laughs> or five yeah. at a setting, right? Yeah. So go ahead, there, Ed. You were saying. Oh, I was I was going to say I have noticed, and I'm not sure if you've noticed this, Kareem, but the more emotional the performance, the more mouth licking you have to actually get out. And also, if you're doing like a very long, long sentences, more mouth clicking. I found, but, but but interestingly enough, I have found when my actors just deliver super emotional performances, I have a higher mouth clicking ratio 
than uh, than previous. And I'm able to like get rid of a lot of this, but that is something to consider. There is going to be a natural, no matter how many green apples you have, there is going to be a natural amount of mouth clicking. Yeah, um, and, th- and there's an element by which, yeah, it, it's w- what you consider enough to be sort of, as you said, natural sound, and when it, it actually becomes in- annoying. And the green apple and, and the decent hydration will get rid of all that. And a single, and for me, a single pa- pass of RX mouth click will get rid of everything else. Yes. Um, and, cool. and it's it's literally the time saver. I, I, it's worth the $99 cuz I have saved myself hours and hours and hours just by wow. that. That's um, fantastic. That's fantastic. I have never done a two click on on that multi click run RX. I mean, it's always one. It gets everything. Amazing. Nice. Wow. That's great. Um, there's, another, can... um, there's another uh, tip that is really important for voice actors which is about when that when Steve was mentioning about like breath noises. Yeah. And in breathing. Something that is very easy to do if you're not aware of it is I'm going to do another line. I'm going to talk right away. Yeah, no. In breathe. Now deliver your breath. That's it. Your lung. Yeah, it's much easier to cut it out. We have the natural in breath. You want to have a full load of lungs when you're going to give a long line. Just give a little space so it's natural and so that the engineer doesn't have to try and find it and cut it out and do things like that. S- some things say about my performances is they are very natural, uh, and and like you said, Lothar, it is it is that natural breathing pattern. It's yeah. as I said, take that deep breath in hold it and then just get your, your body and your chest set ready to deliver the line yep. so you can go and and then all those breathing and stutters and whatever that you, that you deliver as your emotional projection goes through they will sound natural as well because you you aren't in that uh mode of i'm recording now no you're in the I, i'm delivering the line which is do a you do any thing. kind of uh warm-up exercises before you guys record mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Lothar, what do you do some don't um, me, it's sorry. I'm. I'm I'll. I'll, I'll come last on this one. Okay. Um, I just do basic singing vocal exercises. of shaking that, um, yawning, uh, stretching out the mouth, relaxing, forcing to relax, and a lot of that you tense up in some ways and do that. But any sort of theater stuff, singing stuff, pretty you know, pretty standard. Just get out of the way. I'm sure a lot of the tongue twister stuff that is used in theater is really good. I don't personally do that, but. I probably should. <laughs> cool. If I'm, do- if I'm doing a live uh, or a directed performance, I will typically warm up beforehand. If I'm doing a solo record, I will typically do three runs. And the first one will often be the- effectively the warm up. Because um, A, I'm sort of getting my head around the, the, the words and the subtleties of the words in that first run as well. And it can be used to, to put together zombie lines if they need to. But the second and third takes will typically be the best, uh, especially the third take, because I'll have really got the hang of hang of the lines and, and all the breathing and everything will be much more natural on those takes. Uh, but if I'm doing it live or if I'm doing it live directed, then I'll, I'll warm up before the whole session. What about you? Sorry, go ahead. Just one last thing for the uh, for that vocal exercise thing is if you're doing satellite recording, you're probably going to find that you're going to be recording at odd times. Maybe you're going to get up early and do it before you go to work. You're going to do it late in the day doing vocal warm ups can be really helpful especially like my voice works well where i've got a low range but i also want a little bit of the high in there i want a nice rich thing and if i do it in the morning i better do my vocal exercises and go into my high range and stretch that out so it's all there or else i sound like i just woke up and i got a head pulled okay so that's another thing for Excellent. people to be with. very good point 
Ed, you're, you've got the the benefit of of actually uh, get, guiding some actors through some vocal warm ups too. Do you do that as well, or do you leave it all to them? Oh God, you know, I I really should do more vocal warm ups. I I feel very uh, ashamed by the expertise here of Kareem and uh, uh, Lothar. Uh, I mean, I have done a couple like little singing exercise type of things, like warming up the voice, uh, but nothing, uh, you know, not nothing really all that much. And I usually allow the actor to kind of come in with whatever uh, whatever warm up exercise they want to do. So very cool. And uh, JD just talks about. Um, a tip I learned in a coaching session from pro voice actor in Hollywood, Katie Lay or Lee, is to do a few minutes of massaging your cheek muscles. Work a dream, works a dream for loosening up those muscles. Yeah, I've done that before as well, and that's been important. I just want to take a quick uh, detour and talk about the difference between soundproofing and sound treatment. Could you give me a bit on that, Lothar? Um, Kareem might be able to do more, but I remember very early on people that I would talk to and myself a little bit like what's the difference between sound treatment and soundproofing and this came to mind when um, Ed was talking about his oh so considerate neighbors. Um, a lot of people are looking for one thing one another it's very expensive to soundproof it's easier to sound treat when I've been talking about blankets and things like that we're talking about sound treatment, keeping reverb from there trying to make sure that the sound going into the microphone is the best but that is not going to soundproof and so. One of the things that I have to be aware of, I live a quarter mile away from an from a local airport. Saturday and Sundays, when most people would want to record, I can't because everybody's out on their Cessnas. So I have to do it other times. And so people should just be aware of the difference and that by doing what we're talking about now, you're probably doing sound treatment. You're not going to address soundproofing. Uh, Kareem or Ed, do you have any soundproofing uh, advice? Because I certainly don't. Mass, 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 and mass is the simple answer to that. Um, you need weight. And you need air gaps um, because at the end of the day sound is energy and that energy needs to be captured and dissipated before it gets anywhere near the microphone because the microphone picks up that energy and turns it into electrical signals which makes the sound that it, that it is so um, the room within the room is the classic scenario because you have um, uh, isolation from the outside world first and then an air gap um, which can cut out the allows whatever energy has got through that first wall to then hit the next room which is my boot now for example and this has multi-layer construction and um, acoustic panels as well so i've got the, the reverb removal as well in these and so that that helps cut the sound out and as, I, and as i said when i built this extension i used acoustic uh, glass in the window i used uh, acoustic insulation in the walls as well etc so it's so it's so it's cutting out that energy, letting the, the energy be absorbed and dissipate into other, other things. There are hundreds of YouTube videos, um, and I've probably watched all of them at least three times as I was <laughs> looking to design and try and get this right. Um, people, yeah, pardon my fatigue. People I would recommend people look at is Mike Delgadio, the booth junkie, for all kinds of technical gear recommendations on YouTube and stories about his, um, <coughs> his booth construction and various other bits and pieces. Um, but it's it's simply mass air gaps, and that'll 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 cut it. Cool. I know Ed that your most of your stuff is done through post when it comes to that because of good old New York City. Do do you try? Uh, have you been in other spaces where the sound has been able to proof more effectively? I you know. I think I'm just very familiar with this room. I happen to be blessed to live 
on a top four apartment. Okay. So I don't have people above me. I also have high ceilings, which is also very good for the way that sound travels and it offers a kind of theatrical sort of quality. So um, I have gone to other people's places to record with my equipment. And uh, I do find that if you're mindful with the mic, it, it really can, a lot of it is just done in, a lot of it is treated in post. I mean, a lot of, a lot, I mean, the, you try your best to, um, what I would say is don't record in summer if you can help it, because you have to turn everything off. And I have had a lot of sweaty summer sessions. I try now, I mean, when I did the first season, I, I was cluelessly, I said, oh, I'll record in July and August when the humidity, I mean, and, and, uh, yeah, that was a stupid. That was a stupid move. And now I try not to record during the summer months uh, because I don't want the actors to be uncomfortable. And since I'm also asking so much of them to, uh, in terms of like emotional performance, like that's just. And I try to, I try to just. I mean, actors are human beings too, and you got to factor that in. But anyway, so. Yeah, and oh yeah, the Chucky is a really. I've checked that YouTube channel out. That guy is really awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like Mike also I, stars in the uh, the No Sleep podcast and, there you go. and many others as well. So that's awesome. I've often pulled the, the the plug on my fridge if I'm if I have a bunch of actors out and I'm recording in the living room. It's it's one of the loudest things that you have to get rid of for that particular reason. Question from JD. Yeah. Just curious if each of you like to monitor your recordings in headphones or if you prefer to just record without when you're recording yourselves. That is not when recording others. Let's start with Edward because he was last in last time. <laughs> I, yeah, no, no worries. I don't mind being the, 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 the anyway. Uh, so yeah, I actually kind of answered this a little bit. Um, I, I, I think that when the more voice acting you do, the better you're able to both monitor both your performance and the technicality. Uh, it just becomes like, you know, it's, it's like one of those sort of dual skills that you build up and it just becomes something that just is very natural. Like, um, you know, if I, if I'm acting in somebody else's audio drama, then I now know, like, I know when I pull up the take often before <laughs> the, the other person has. And I, but also, I mean, you know, the, the more you do this, the more hyper aware you are of not only just emotional, but also technical. And, um, and I think it just comes with, with time and practice. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, Lothar and then Kareem. I have a hard situation with the way my computer is set up currently i've still got latency so i can't do it through headphones until i get that worked out and i kind of prefer not to um especially when i'm really getting into an acting role and that's idiosyncratic but that ties in a little bit with what ed was saying to where i've got a uh, apogee template for my audio interface set up for different actors that come in and, and record in my studio and i've got one to where i've got like okay i, I know that if i'm going to do this type of performance it's going to be at the right levels by the way I deliver it. So I've got the technology supporting my own internal instincts and in ear about this isn't right, something's wrong. Let me let me try this again. And I haven't had any problems um, with what I've sent in or what I've done for myself. So excellent, Kareem. Um, yeah, I prefer without. Um, I as I was getting this room tuned tuned and all the tech set up, I thought I'd try with the new headphones and see how how I record with it. It's less comfortable. Uh, when I'm actually delivering a, an emotional performance, I think. <clears throat> uh, of course, I have to have it when I'm uh, doing a live, like through the through the camera, like this. Um, but if I'm just on my own, I'll do I'll do it without. Um, I've got the ability to record. Uh, I've got the the Focusrite has the 
the, the, the live monitor so it is, it is nice and sharp but as far as you first thing you always do is a test record make sure you get the levels right you can see the level meter on your your door um, so you can make sure you do things right and if you're gonna do a shouty bit I've got a minus 10 DB pad on my microphone I bring that down as well um, and or I'll, I'll drop the gain some more as well um, so I once the tech is set up for the scene I'm about to record I'll then rock with it and uh, give them the full emotional both barrels sort of thing excellent excellent so last last and and not least we're running out of time this is i i thought we'd be having to fill time we're just like oh my god so much going on this is awesome so good when and your heads like to talk yeah this is great <laughs> um so last minute sort of uh best and most important plugins we talked about isotope rx nobody's put in a link for that yet i'd like to have that for, for history's sake if that would be good <laughs> yeah, um, we're all joking <laughs> And, and, and I just it, noticed it, that it only it works costs. with Reaper, so I might have to get that you know, back installed again now, just so I can use a isotope for my cleanup no, at least. If it's, nothing else, um, the latest uh, version of Audacity does support VST plugins. There you and go. It's a VST plugin now. Oh, cool. Um, Thank you. I do have isotope, and I can't remember what I have, so I'll have to go back and take a look and see if I've got. Specifically, it's just RX. Is it is is that a suite or is that a particular? RX is the repair suite. They have the a bunch suite. of others for different tool sets. Cool. Very cool. You need the standard level to have the mouth declick. Right. Yeah. Um, elements declick is pretty good. I, I survived on that for a few years. Yeah. Um, and then I, I invested in uh, as soon as mouth declick came out in RX seven, I then invested to get that. Excellent. Cool. I think I have RX seven. I think I have that. So. Standard is on sale right now. RX8, jump to RX Standard. Okay, cool. Ed, any suggestions of other plugins or or that people could use from their perspective as a recording? I, I mean, it's almost as if I should be shelling Isotope products because I also <laughs> use Odin and Nectar, uh, which are also very good for like certain vocal uh, EQ situations. I've started increasingly using those because my goal is for everybody on the gray area to sound like a million bucks and to sound, you know, and I've been that. And I've also, I've been going to a couple of interesting stylized places. I mean, we actually went to the gray area itself this season. So, um, so as such, I do recommend, I mean, look, Isotope, they are an incredible company and I, and yeah, I mean, look, they, they take, I don't know how much how much money they, I, have we all given to them. I mean, it's all worth it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, Lothar, uh, because Ed's doing the recording in his own place, of course, mm -hmm. he'll want to have the EQ stuff set the way he wants it. But a lot of people I know, like you want the lines as 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 uh, raw as possible. So do you have any particular requests for people just to keep it as clean as possible with plugins? Do you have don't any do any effects. The, let's go back to the old school. Back in back in the old days, they said don't do any effect, don't do any cleanup, don't do anything. Just send it in if it's if it's of the quality that you want, and let the post producer do it. Um, at a certain point, there are certain people that get to the point of being good enough producers to where it's actually helpful. Like Jack, whenever you send me stuff when we're doing Sonic Echo and I'm the one the producing, you do the noise removal, the noise gate, and the leveling, and you send it back to me, and that's great. That saves me time. You know what you're doing. But in a production where that's not the relationship, I'd rather them send it in raw and then I get to fix it. And so the plugins I use are mostly in post-production. Um, something I will mention to people is that something that's normal if you look at, at waveforms is that when we start off in a, with a sentence, 
and we talk it out, my volume is going to decrease because the amount of air in my lungs is dropping off and the waveform is gonna go from being very wide to narrowing down to the end of the sentence. And then it's gonna start again and it's gonna go down. And in audio, you want that to all be at the right level so no one is straining. Once upon a time, we used to have to go in and go syllable by syllable or word by word and bump it up and play around with it. And that was a huge amount of time for line cleaning. Now there's plugins, whether it be, you know, Levelator or Audacity, you have now as a built-in level speech one now, which is really good. Um, so you can do a level speech and then normalize and bring it in and it works great. So anything like that, Kareem and uh, Ed might know some more fancy things than that, but basically that's not so much for the actor, but that's something to be aware of. There are very good voice actors that can control their breath to minimize that. And that's a great skill to learn as well. I'm not very good at that. Very cool. Actually, Reaper, Reaper's latest version, they actually introduced some more normalizing options. And also when you render the file out, it gives you all like the audio levels, the luffs and all that. I mean, it's just like, I, I, I can't, I got to stick up for my butt, man, Reaper here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I so, think any, so, any serious sound engineer will have actually multiple doors because a lot of the doors will have really good plugins, like Reaper that has some really good plugins. Audition will have some really good plugins. Yep. As Loth, I was saying, I've heard that the latest Audacity noise, redu noise reduction ones are really good as well. Ocean Audio works, work, has some nice bits and pieces in there. Um, as a recording artist, I will send the files raw unless the producer doesn't have RX. Um, right. If they have RX, if they don't have RX, I will, I will, I will, I'll do a, a, a clean pass just to do that as well. But it's, yeah. the thing with a lot with, with plugins is um, like anything else, it's it's learning how to use them. Because some of these things are incredibly powerful. It's like there's a Waves, Waves is another plugin manufacturer. They have a deep breath module, which is supposed mm -hmm. to be really, really good. But for the life of me, I can't figure out how to use it. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it, it takes all kinds of tuning and, and I just don't have the time to figure that out. So it's like anything else, there's time investment that you need to put in with your door and other things. Mm -hmm. Yep. You'll, you'll, you'll game with it if you need to. And, and Lothar's being fair in the respect that when we do Sonic Echo, it's just a conversation between us. Yeah. So the, a lot of the nuances that go with an actual audio drama aren't required because everybody knows that you're just sitting in front of a microphone and having a conversation that way. Do you have any re recommendations for people when it comes to the file? I know I'm, I'm encroaching a bit on what's going to happen next uh, session, but things like what should people export it to? What's the best thing that people do? I know people have preferences, but what do you think is the smartest thing to do? Wav. 24 bit waves. No butts, wav. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but, you know, someone really uh, fantastic producers I know like MP3s because they don't have the disk space um, and they still produce fantastic produ production quality. Um, if, if somebody has got a space issue, use FLAC because that's uh, lossless compression. Um, but yeah, um, also recording at the right, um, sample rates and so on and so forth. Um, because it's audio drama, you want nuance. So 48K, uh, 32-bit resolution, um, if you can, uh, and if, and if they can, if they can handle the file size, I suppose. Very it's always cool. a trade-off between file size and, uh, resolution. Always. Yeah. Upl upload speeds, which is always a really hard one yeah. as well for people. Um, I would say at least... Make sure that at the very least that you're going at something at a higher resolution than what the final release is going to be. So if someone's releasing a podcast at 192K, give them at least a 256 MP3. Gotcha. If you can't give them a wave or if they don't want a wave or whatever, but give them something higher resolution than what the final release is going to be. That way you're getting the best thing. Yeah. And you're expecting loss. So you want to be able to give it the best. Any, any suggestions on that, Ed? 
same thing. I mean, like I insist, like the higher quality, the better. Send me the highest quality you have. I don't care if it's a two gig file. I've got terabytes upon terabytes. Well, I built a hard drive array specifically for this. The the higher quality and the you know the bigger the file size. Hopefully, it's you know it's it's actual recording. <laughs> um, that the better. So uh, I, I I insist on the highest. Uh, and some people like only have X amount of uh, of a of a rates, and I just go ahead and just like look the highest you can do it. Uh, anything that's just you know dinky and small and 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 gets and when it gets compressed, it's uh you know. Fair enough. Now Sharon asks, mono or stereo? Mono for me. I I actually I I, I record everything in mono. Uh, I'm actually going to be starting in season three to do some stereo and binaural experiments. But for now, I record in mono and then I just mix everything accordingly and pan it uh, in the way that I, that's the way I've always done it. It's it's what most microphones kind of operate at. Uh, that's how I've done it. Sure. Kareem? Yep. Oh, you're muted. Sorry, I was having some audio feedback there. No um, single recorder, obviously mono um you you once again if we're talking about uh, field recording you might want to do stereo because you're getting the stereo effect but if you're dealing with an audio drama where somebody's pr producing the whole thing they're going to man manage the, the stereo field gotcha um that's not your job yeah. good it's also it's also less file size easier to upload yeah. easier to download you send me something in mono i paste it into a stereo track now it's stereo yeah and now i can place it around because i do like what kareem was saying and it's talking about where i do everything in post pan everything the way I want it. I don't want somebody's audio track to kind of, and then I'm, then it's compromising what I'm already doing. I'm already going to uh, turn that into a mono track and then bring it back into stereo to get rid of that variance. Performance, I'm not sure about how, I'm sure you probably do this too, Lothar, but performance often dictates panning. Like when I listen Absolutely. to the audio that comes in, when I have an assembly, I literally act out everything in my apartment before I start panning, before I start sound designing. I'm that guy because <laughs> I want to honor the performances of my actors. And I also want my imagination to be triggered from their invention. So these are things that if, if you record something stereo, I may not get that like really awesome pan that is going to help your performance yep. Yep. and really sell the scene, you know? Absolutely. All right, yep. folks, we're running out of time very rapidly. Can we just do a quick whip around about 10 seconds, 15 seconds or less? Let us let us know what you're going to be working on, what you're doing. No, you're fine, JD. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. And everyone else, I appreciate you being here. Lothar, what are you working on for people to know? Uh, editing a uh, car exploitation uh, thing, uh, She Wolves Prowl the Promised Land which has been in production for a number of years and a trans transcontinental terror for 2020, 2021, excuse me. And uh, yeah, and acting in other people's stuff. Fantastic. Kareem, what are you doing? Oh, crikey. Um, I am in, I've just submitted my lines for Madison on the air. Uh, it's a uh, great uh, show. Retread of uh, all time radio. I've, I think the uh, Sam, I'm playing Sam Sabaya, the uh, Egyptian police captain in Rocky Fortune, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, there's uh, they're doing Dracula at some point in the future. Yeah. And one thing which hasn't come out yet, but I recorded last autumn, is unsinkable an audio movie with um, John Malkovich, uh, Brian Cox, and a whole slew of others. Wow, and, that's fantastic! Uh, I'm waiting for that to come out with sort of 
Bated breath. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Ed, I know you're doing nothing, right? There you go. No, 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 Sorry, still... Rocky Jordan, not Rocky Fortune. Rocky Jordan. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah. You're right. Rocky Jordan. I get the two mixed up all the time. Rocky Jordan's awesome. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah. So in addition to releasing the last four episodes of the ongoing long-ass season two, this summer, it will all be released by August. I'm also um, I'm also putting together this live show, uh, which we're, we're going to be doing audio drama in front of a live audience, and it's going to be magnificent. And we already have, like, a cast of 12. We have a live band. Uh, we have a theater that's going to be in Manhattan. I, I never would have thought I would have been able to do this. And I'm also uh, writing the scripts, for that and for season three and also doing some voiceover here and there. I'm a CIA director for someone. And I also did something where I was an obnoxious guy in Bay Ridge. So, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) well, that's all we have time for, for this session. I want to thank our panelists, Lothar Tuppen, Kareem Cronfley, and of course, Ed Champion stand by for our final session for today or tonight, best practices for recording at 845 with Jeff Billard and guests. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone. It was a wonderful time. Very informative. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. I, I'm going to have to spend some more money now after uh, Kareem and Ed's turned me on to some stuff. So. <laughs> Good morning. We hope you're enjoying Saturday Story Circle. Get enough cereal? How's the coloring going? You can always join us tomorrow on Mutual with the Sunday Showcase. Original audio drama from the United Artists of Audio, right here on Mutual. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for exciting audio drama every day. Or find the Sunday Showcase feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.